You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. And as we've been sharing with you all morning, we are going to be connecting with Cody Wilde. He's the Vice President of Correctional Programs for Prison Fellowship. Now, you may remember, uh, back in 2021, Moody Bible Institute and Prison Fellowship came together under Today in the Word to produce two different 120-day devotional series for men and for women. And so there's been a long-standing relationship between uh, the Moody Bible Institute and Prison Fellowship, and they have been doing incredible work uh, behind bars, ministering to those who need to know Christ. And here's Cody to join us to uh, talk about those different programs and why integration back into society uh, is so key and how Christ plays a part in that. Hey, Cody, good morning. Hey, Cody, good morning. Hey, great to be with you, Kelly and Steve. For anyone who has not um, not, um, familiar familiar at all with Prison Fellowship Ministries, kind of give us an overview of uh, what the ministry does as far as reintegrating men and women back into general society. How how do you work with them? What is different about Prison Fellowship? Prison Fellowship. Sure. Well, great question. Um, So a little bit of background. Prison Fellowship was founded um, nearly 50 years ago, back in 1976, um, by Chuck Colson, who was a member of Richard Nixon's cabinet and uh, went to prison as a result of uh, Watergate-related crimes. Um, Through him, you know, coming to faith uh, during that time, uh, after he was released from prison, he founded Prison Fellowship. Um, really as a way to uh, connect local churches um, with what was going on behind bars and to really become a parachurch, to come alongside churches, um, to be um, God's plan for restoration of the world. Um, And so we've had a long history of trying to discern and learn best practices of what works in prison, what works um, after prison, um, and how to really think about all of the different stakeholders in a state, you know, from um, prisoners themselves, um, prison wardens, uh, legislators, families, churches, and really viewing all of those um, uh, individuals and groups as members of this ecosystem. Um, but during that time or during you know, our, our long history, one of the things we really learned is that when a person releases, which most people in prison are going to get out, um, there's nothing magic that happens upon that release date. And so it's not only a question of, you know, where's a person going to live? What kind of a job are they going to get? But who are they going to be? And they're going to be the same person they were the day before they released. And so most of our our prison programming is really intended to go upstream um, and to have uh, to introduce people to a new way of living in the name of Jesus um, earlier on in their incarceration journey. Um, and to really equip and empower those who live in prison, who are incarcerated, to be changed, and then to become change agents of their peers. Um, So it's not just a question of, what am I gonna do when I get released, but if I got 10 years left, how am I gonna maximize those 10 years to not just be um, a person who doesn't um, be a problem or to commit crimes, um, but how do I actually become a part of the solution? 
And so we try to pair um, that with um, some of the work that we do with correctional leaders, correctional officers, wardens. We've got a program called the Warden Exchange um, that we really try to work with to create, um, to make prison a more restorative place. But then to your question around what happens after people leave and how do we prepare them for that? Um, one of Prison Fellowship's largest programs, or actually our largest program, is one that many people are, are familiar with uh, called Angel Tree. Um, and it's actually a, <coughs> a Christmas program where um, men and women who are incarcerated uh, can sign up to have a Christmas present delivered to their children. Um, we work with local churches around the country. We're in partnership with thousands of them. And that church at Christmas time will deliver a present that they purchase on behalf of that mom or dad um, with a note from mom or dad. Um, and so the kid is able to um, you know, maintain connection with the parents, but also it's a way of connecting those children and their caregivers with local churches. Um, and so all of our strategy is really built around how do we get the church on the outside proximate to what's going on on the inside um, so that when um, individuals who are incarcerated are released, um, the church really becomes that, that resource. Um, we do other things like um, criminal justice reform, public policy things to, to allow people um, a more uh, restorative path upon release. Um, we also work with post-release providers that offer things like um, housing and, and job training. But really, we view um, as the, the center of gravity of everything we do um, as being church-focused. And how does the church come alongside um, people in that journey? Well, Cody, you know, one of the uh, programs that I find so interesting that Prison Fellowship carries out is the HOPE events, because it's very frequent that, uh, you know, what experience a, a prisoner has is that over time, family members will visit less. They will receive less mail over time, often leaving them to feel forgotten. And with, you know, a sense of being forgotten comes along a lack of hope and hopelessness, but you hold these hope events. Tell me a little bit about what the hope event is and why they're so important inside of the prison, inside of the prison. Yeah, great question. Um, so a hope event is a, a yard event. Um, it's an evangelistic event where the whole prison is invited um, to hear typically a speaker and some musicians um, and that that speaker is going to offer a message of, of hope, you know, which includes a gospel presentation um, as well as an invitation for um, people to be able to respond uh, to the gospel. Um, and so it's not only the message of hope, the, the, the words that are spoken, but also the presence of the, the individuals who come in um, and who embody hope. Uh, not perfection, but people on a journey who who have a hope in the risen Lord. Um, and, you know, as I was saying earlier, we try to view all of these things as uh, a, an ecosystem. And so try to pair those hope events with programs that can come afterwards. So a person, you know, uh, experiences um, something during those events and wants to get plugged in. And so we've got 
programs that that we launch in prisons that are you know a year long uh, that a person can can participate in um, but really hope is is what we're, we're trying to offer because that is ultimately what the gospel is it's the good news that jesus um, died and rose again and provides hope and a promise to restore all things and so everything is is oriented in that direction and these events are are a key part of that uh, to reach a, a wide audience in prisons all over the country and such an impact that it can have. I want to just encourage people right now as you continue to listen to go online. If you've got access, if you're listening on the Moody Radio app right now and you've got your phone in hand, grab your browser and go over to prisonfellowship.org and click on the What We Do tab and take a little bit of time to familiarize yourself with the programs and the work of Prison Fellowship. And then also I want to encourage you to be in prayer for Prison Fellowship. And we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back in just two minutes, and we're going to continue our conversation with Cody, but we're also going to examine how we, as Christ followers, can be praying for those who are in prison, because as Christ speaks, these things are important, and we are to care for them. And so we want to know how we can specifically be praying to support that ministry. You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. Well, Cody, before we went to break, uh, you know, one of the things that we were encouraging people to do was to go to prisonfellowship.org and familiarize themselves with the program and with the ministry and the effect that you have on those who are incarcerated and also those who are released. But I encourage people to, to really focus on praying for the ministry. And I'd love to get an understanding from you. Uh, because you have that firsthand account of ways that we as Christ followers can be praying for the organization. What direction should we be taking in our prayer life for Prison Fellowship? Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, you know, first and foremost, that uh, Prison Fellowship at every single level, from you know our board to our volunteers to the participants and everything in between, um, that we would first and foremost uh, be people who are more in love with Jesus today than we were yesterday. Um, you know, we really believe that ministry is an overflow of the condition of our own hearts. Um, so the Lord would not just protect us from um, attacks from, you know, the enemy, um, but uh, would, would continue to um, fill us with his presence. And so that, you know, whether we're, speaking at a hope event or having a conversation with a, a correctional leader or a legislator or a donor, um, that we'd be people who overflow with the love and presence of Jesus. Um, so that's number one, because if that isn't true, it's a no Pasco. None of the other things matter. Um, and what I would say is, you know, one of the, the key verses in, in Scripture that, that we go back to is from Hebrews 13.3. Um, the author says to remember those in prison as though you yourself were in prison. And, you know, remembrance in the Bible, it's not just like a, I recall something in my head, um, but 
throughout you know the Old Testament and New Testament, people are called to remember. It's like being called to behold, um, to feel the presence of the thing before you, to make it real to your senses. And so I would just you know encourage people to to pray. Um, that we would be able to remember those in prison uh, in that way. That it's not just a people somewhere you know, over there, but these are my neighbors. You know, one in three Americans has a, a criminal record. Um, and so, um, you know, asking the question, who's in prison, it, it's probably not who you think it is. And it's you probably know people and, you know, in our own congregations and, and, and men and women behind bars. So really that the Lord would continue to break down those categories that we have um, and to really uh, step into the, the, the far more complex and, and strange world that, that we inhabit. Um, and lastly, that we would just be faithful to the mission that the Lord has called us to. Um, you know, there are a lot of distractions out there in the world um, and that uh, God has given us you know, a, a very specific lane um, and that uh, at, at all levels um, we would continue to do that with excellence. You know, I appreciate what you said about uh, breaking down those categories that we have, because I think we do tend to, even if it's just subconsciously, Cody, categorize people, um, you know, and that's unfortunate, but what I love about Prison Fellowship is it's a ministry that's all about restoration, and not even just for the one who's been incarcerated, but this ministry can actually help restore entire families. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I used to be a pastor, so I have to use the Bible stories as sort of a mirror to, you know, understand all the work we do. And um, when I think about the generational component, as, as you alluded to, um, one of the stories I always go back to, it's, it's you know, early on, Genesis 4, a story of Cain and Abel. Um, and obviously Cain kills his brother Abel, but beforehand, uh, the Lord speaks to Cain and says that sin is crouching at your door and it wants to devour you, but you can do otherwise. You must overcome it as though he could do, he didn't have to do this thing, right? Um, and so we believe that to be true for, for everybody, um, that um, we have agency and, you know, have responsibility. But right after that, um, Moses is, is going through this genealogy of Cain, and it, and it, you know, highlights this character, Lamech, a descendant of Cain, who um, is talking about how he also killed somebody, um, and so that this idea that all of these generations could do otherwise is true, and it also seems to matter in this story that Lamech is a descendant of Cain. Um, and so what we see is that often crime is a family and generational affair, that, that a person, um, a child who has a parent incarcerated is far more likely to be incarcerated themselves as they grow up um, than somebody whose, whose parents haven't been incarcerated. Um, and so we, we think about this in generational terms that, you know, when a man or woman um, decides to uh, change their life, um, that we think about what are the second, third, fourth, fifth effects of that over the course of generations. And we've seen entirely family, entire family trees change uh, as a result of that. And, and so, you know, we just, we want to come alongside people, you know, as they are, um, but recognizing that there's this complex web of relationships mm -hmm. and the impact is far greater than, you know, we may see in the moment. 
Yeah, because when a family is, when you're going through that process of restoring the the one who's been incarcerated and that spills over into their family, that spills over into the community. And I mean, everyone, everyone benefits. And it's just an amazing work. I think, uh, you know, as you just said, we have to go to the Bible to take a look at this. And we, we see straight in uh, Matthew 25, as the king calls together the sheep and the goats, and he separates, and, and he states that, I was without clothes, you gave me something to wear, and I was sick, you know, you cared for me when I was in prison, you visited me. Uh, earlier, we talked a little bit about the feeling of hopelessness and how important it is to recall those who are incarcerated. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the afflictions, the troubles that you see individually in the prisoner themselves that's quite unique to what we experience in uh, in our communities, I'm more than sure that there has to be some pretty specific things that prisoners face that we do not uh, in our daily living that we can be aware of and be conscious of, and then maybe people are going to be moved in their heart to connect with prison fellowship to actually step into or even ministries like a Kairos or something that is doing work behind bars. What about those personal struggles that prisoners face? Yeah, I mean, there's there's the obvious things of, you know, violence and um, just separation and you know, all of the things that you can imagine. Um, but going back to the, you know, this theme of remembrance, um, what people often experience is what the, the, the opposite of that. Um, what it is to be forgotten, to truly be forgotten. Um, and you concentrate, you know, a bunch of people in a space that are forgotten. Um, you know, I think that that's one of the, the, the biggest struggles that, that people face, you know, beyond some of the other, you know, more obvious things. I think it was um, the writer, Ellie Weissel, um, who said that the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. Um, and so when you have an entire population of people that most on the outside don't even think about it's not just that we're actively angry at people in prison. It's like, I heard about this crime. The person got arrested. I don't know where they went, what happened, you know, I've moved on. Um, and so that feeling of like, does anybody even know that I'm here? Does anybody care? Which is why Jesus's words about visiting of saying, I behold you as a child of God, somebody with a sacred story and somebody that is deeply loved by the king of the universe who knows your name and has a plan and a purpose for you. Like that, the, the, the words of Christ um, cut through all of those things that people feel. Um, and I would say it's at that deepest, that deepest level. Um, and so I think that that's one of the the, the, the biggest things that people in prison face that may not be as obvious or that you don't see in the movies. Well, I hadn't even really thought of that in those terms. Um, Cody, I, I, you, you mentioned early on in the conversation, uh, you, you know, a ministry that so many of us are familiar with, the Angel Tree Ministry, but, and, and we, you know, our, our church participates in that, so many churches obviously yeah. participate in that, but what are some other things, in addition to prayer, of course, that are, are practical ways that the church can help uh, prison fellowship in their ministry to those who are incarcerated? How can we help 
the families in really, truly meaningful ways. Yeah, I'd say, you know, first of all, um, you know, we're really trying to do Angel Tree as a year-long thing. So one of our catch lines with Angel Tree is it starts with a gift, but that's really the entry point of connecting local families and local churches. Um, But if a person goes to our website, they'll find other avenues in which we can come alongside um, those children and those families throughout the year, including, you know, sending kids to summer camp, a Bible camp. Mm. Um, but it's really looking at, like, what are the resources that are in a church? You know, it's a community of, of people who are on mission together, who, who love each other in their imperfections. I mean, this is really, I think, the Lord's vision for the church. And when a person who has experienced either directly incarceration or the effects of it, you know, through a family member. Um, I think, uh, you know, there, there are some practical things that, you know, we can walk alongside people in, in those shoes. Um, but I'd say at the end of the day, like, person just wants to be a person in the church and to be integrated into the life of the church. Um, and so when do I cease to be formally incarcerated? Or when do I cease to be somebody who's, whose parent is in prison? But I'm just bill or susie you know who who's a broken person on a journey with other broken people on that same journey toward toward jesus um and so we have other you know uh, options of, of things we can do during you know april which is our our second chance month to raise awareness of some of the, the legal barriers that the folks have um you know if there's a church that's within proximity of a prison um finding ways to get involved we have you know prison programs all over the country um, so there are a number of ways, but I really think that Angel Tree for a congregation really becomes that that starting point um, to be asking the question, okay, um, we want to care for these children, so do we care about what these children care about, which is mom or dad? Um, and so we really start to enter into this journey of exploring this 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 world that many people may not be as familiar with. Yeah. Well, we would be remiss as we bring this to a close, Cody. As you said, uh, you gave it up, you're a pastor. So we'd be remiss if we didn't ask if you would close this up in prayer so that we can model that in our own prayer life for prison fellowship. Would you lead I'd us in that? To. I'd be honored to. Thank uh, you. Lord, thank you so much for this this time, that this, this privilege that I've had this morning to present prison fellowship with Kelly and Steve, and I just pray your hand of blessing over them in particular, and the, this ministry that you've called them to, um, proclaiming your good news uh, uh, through the radio, Lord, and all of the people that are listening or who will listen. I just pray your your hand of blessing over them, um, and that you would convict hearts where they need to be convicted, um, the Lord, that you would comfort hearts where they need to be comforted. And I just pray that this work that you're doing in prison, this work that you're doing out of prison, Lord, that you would just get your people proximate and close to each other, Lord, so that you, we would be one as you prayed that you and the Father are one. Um, and so I just ask this, Lord, that a revival would be sparked, um, that it would go inside and outside, Lord, and as we know, you use the weak things of the world to confound the strong, and you always turn the world on its head. And so we just wait expectantly for that. We love you, Lord. Please give us open hearts and humble minds. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio. From the Word to Life.